0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Small Holy Water.
0: I mean, Paul.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Marissa.
0: Hi, I'm Evan. Hello, I'm Terence. And we're going to talk about Vallis. A 1981 science fiction novel. Science fiction novel? By Philip K. Dick. Um,
1: Fantasy think, novel, maybe?
0: Um, it's first published as a paperback, I think. Um, and then on the cover it says, The long-awaited masterwork, now published for the first time. Um um, <laughs> you didn't like it. <laughs> you know what? I um, was going in with very low expectations, very, very low expectations. I've been avoiding this book, and i I was quite enjoying it at the beginning um uh, but by the end, I was like mm. yeah well, the first mm. half
3: is 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 the best part, and it's it's science fiction in the sense that it's most of it takes place in the head, and then it becomes an ordinary boring story after the film. <laughs>
0: Oh, I, I really enjoyed the film, the discussion of the film. Yes. Yeah,
2: this, that was great.
3: After that it goes down. The film was good.
4: Well that's a, that's it's not exactly like I'm looking at the Wikipedia here and it mm-hmm. says the plot of that film is is the same as Radio Free Album, which is not really true. Uh, Radio Free Albumeth's plot is a little bit different than that fictitious film. Mm. The I mean you got the Ferris that Fremont and that kind of dictatorship, that that kind of Parallel Universe Nixon.
2: Was it but actually written same. before or after this one?
4: Yeah, that was like the first draft of Alice. It's a lot better though. That's the point oh. I'm trying to make. If you had just published Radio Free Album, that's it's, it's like I think it's more true to the themes that you see in like his '70s works about like state versus society, uh, which comes up in Flow My Tears. It's there in uh, Our Friends for Lux Aid, and some I thought those are great novels. I think, yeah. and they really deal with like movement cultures and struggle, how people actually do struggle against oppressive state. How do you actually fight the Black Iron Prison? I want to use this language. Oh, yeah. And that's a reader free album is. And And this is just – this seems like a political dead-end novel. That's my biggest gripe with it. it, yeah. it here, yeah, here is it like science
0: I'm... fiction? So um, I would yeah. say it's absolutely not science fiction. The only thing that makes me say that that's not true is the opening – and I've got that uh, handy um, from that <laughs> sickmyduck.nayrod.ru website. Um, and it gives a definition. It says, VALIS, acronym of Vast Active Living Intelligence System from an American film of the same name, uh, perturbation in reality field in which a spontaneous self-monitoring negentropic vortex is formed, tending progressively to subsume and incorporate its in environment into arrangements of information characterized by quasi consciousness, purpose, intelligence, growth, and an armillary coherence. So uh, uh, honestly, I believe that's all gobbledygook and it's supposed to be <laughs> gobbledygook. But then the important part is great Soviet dictionary, sixth edition, 1992. So <laughs> we know <laughs> that the framing is science fiction. There's a 1981 novel. Um, he's got the Soviets still around in 1992. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, he's bad at predicting the future. Um, it's not a prediction, but as usual, this is uh, supposed to be framed as a science fiction novel. But other than that, um, and the fact that it's got this cool idea of his brain being broken into two, right? Which he used in many other. Well, he's a lot of these things are used in many others, but he even quotes. I love how he. In the middle of the this novel he starts giving the copyright details about about <laughs> his other books. Or that,
1: that that was hilarious. It's like what am I reading?
0: Yeah. What's the what's the drug book? Uh from the seventies? Yeah. 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 So um he mm-hmm. has that sort of break, uh the schizophrenic break um in there. And I think it's it's a better oh, it's a much better book. Funnier book. This has some good bits, especially in the first uh I don't know. First 3 I don't know. 3rd, 4th. Yeah.
2: All the little autobiographical details and things that pop up in there are really good.
0: Yeah. And you you can see he's he's just doing what he normally does, which is fictionalizing mm-hmm. his life. The problem mm-hmm. here is um it's not I I don't think it's anything like science and I don't think he really has a grasp I mean I don't think most people even the people who are supposed to be scientists have a grasp of what science is uh because he's like just in this definition I mean I'm not I'm not stupid but a perturbation in the reality field in which spontaneous self-monitoring neg- negantropic vortex is formed that's not stuff <laughs> I I disagree. Uh, Tending progressively to subsume. Sorry. No, I just like, this is a, this is a collection of words. I, I know how to do this. I do it all the time. I, I teach my students how to do this. But it is not, uh, what he's, what he's done is he's eating his own prol feed here. He's, he comes up with these words and like that, that repetition throughout the book. The Empire never ended. It's a proposition that he just takes as fact he never questions it and when he does question it anything that pops up is either a refutation that is soon uh accommodated by the theory or um it's it's just not even considered as a like where are the like thoughts pop into your head doesn't mean they're true and he doesn't have this skepticism thing like how do you know that
3: but mm-hmm. it's incredibly skeptical and first, I want to say that it's the same plot as 2001, A Space Odyssey, <laughs> except the monolith is, is, is what well, corresponds to the big sure, light. Sure. Somebody gets, when Dave Bowman goes into space, he gets bombarded by information from the monolith, and he comes back a messiah. Um, it's the same plot as Book of the New Sun where um, man from another universe creates the hierogrammates in a, in a hyper-universe, and they come back to our universe, which may be the same, and program the creation of man and the evolution to their status by working um, backwards through time and making uh, things that came out wrong um, reverse. So the hero can reverse time. Uh, he's, he's a messiah. Um,
0: I, I think you're so, right. I think the, 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 they are the same. Isn't the same?
4: Well, I was going to say, yes, that's there, but it, I mean, isn't it so much done so much better in radio Phi Alchemist where you, it's a real thing that is actually informing social movements that were resisting the state. All this leads him to is go on this weird quest for these musicians and that did the soundtrack for this movie he saw and then end up seeing this two year old kid who may or may not be Jesus. It, I don't see where this gets us in any way.
0: Yeah, and and the the problem here is is this is more like metafiction, right? So, uh, I, mm-hmm. I really I really like the idea that he's he's trying to reintegrate his his brain, right? He's he's <laughs> he, he's trying to heal himself. Yeah, he's he's got a, a mm-hmm. siman man heal me, right? So he he at one point he he puts his hand on um on Fat's shoulder. <laughs> Right. And that's like self-hugging, you know, <laughs> Like he's he's trying to integrate the things that uh, he feels distance from. And he's also trying to distance himself from it. But the problem here is, is when he says that he he uh, fed his son, Chris or Christopher, a uh, he baptized him with chocolate and he fed him a hot dog bun. And he said that this is, this is, but uh, not the
1: hot dog, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> one. touch. not eat the pork or the hot dog.
0: <laughs> but the hot dog bun is, is the body of Christ and whatever juice he was giving him was Jesus's blood. And then that, that not only was all that true and he s- whispered it to, in his ear, you know, uh, I baptize you or whatever. And only Christopher ever heard it. And then like, this is all stuff he actually's done. I don't think this is, this is, um, I think this is not fiction. <laughs> like almost none of it is fiction except uh, where, where where it goes off the rails into, yeah, like the the actual plot of the book.
2: I think you're right that it's nonfiction in the way that he lived where he would bullshit people all the time. And yes. so he's doing that alongside it's all like real stuff along with the bullshit that he's telling people and trying to like tell himself. And then every now and then slipping into, oh, this should be more not science fiction. I, I,
0: it needs a plot, Jesus. otherwise it's not a book.
2: Jesus fan fiction? I don't know.
0: Well, that's
4: uh, my, some of my favorite stuff in this book is him just bullshitting with the his
1: friends, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which that's, yeah, they, 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 great, great stuff, Camaraderie, actually. yeah,
0: yeah. It's good, yeah. but it's I, not. I it. it doesn't. It doesn't push the the quote unquote story along. But honestly, I don't think there is a story. Yeah, there's a there is a rough plot, um, and there's a bunch of characters. But really it's like uh, he keeps talking about his exegesis and how he has to keep writing it how his girlfriend/ wife is upset that he's doing that um, we should be upset because what he's doing is he's just taking that and making it a novel
1: he's he's, he's putting or he's putting her about in a small land of the of this story taking it's so stuff internal from it's so... His
0: exegesis and
1: taking from rabia radio free album with them basically distilling it into a story of him just wandering around with his, with his other half horse lover fat. So if listeners didn't guess, if you translate my name, like he translated his, you wind up with small, holy water, right? Small is small as Paul in Latin and Weimer is holy water. So small, holy water. Mm-hmm.
3: And <laughs> mine will be black wandering earth because <laughs> Terrence uh, is, his tear earth and errands is wondering mm. but i i disagree again you do, uh, radio free album must, doesn't have as much of that theological cosmological oh, psychological theological um, multidimensionality
4: problem. sorry no it has the, but it has the satellite and it's it's not about this like this in the beginning was the word weird, you know, this kind of <laughs> horrible flaw. I mean, listen to this. Where is it? Uh, we wow. should be able to hear this information this is from the exegesis or rather narrative in its neutral voice inside of us. But something has gone wrong. All creation is a language and nothing but a language. But for some inexplicable reason, we can't read outside and can't hear inside. I don't know if you buy in the beginning was the word. If That's your thing. I guess that makes sense, but
0: I I don't see how. No, See, that's the thing is he he takes that in and then he says, Oh, this is uh, uh, literally, I, I, I think it's important to understand why people are attracted to this book. Um, because Mm -hmm. it's the same reason I'm attracted to Philip K. Dick's writing in general is, is I look at it and I say, yes, here's a guy who gets it right in a certain sense. And that sense is, uh, uh, very importantly words are data as much as uh visual data the, so uh, i'm walking through the woods and i see a bear right the bear is i don't know scratching against a tree not when i'm just saying those words you see a wood you see me you see the tree you see the bear scratching right i present these these words to you and they become reality. That's uh, so. Anytime you have a word in front of you or, or a sentence, anyway, something that gives you an image, um, and that's why you can do that little game as a kid where you just say the same word over and over again, like dope, you say dope, 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 dope or like 500 times. By the time you get to you know 100, 100, you don't even know if you're saying the word anymore, right? You don't know what. It, it, the word loses its sound and its meaning. That There's a kind of importance to the understanding of words on a page are reality, and we have to no, I- contend with this. And then the way to contend with it is, how do you know that this is reality? Well, normally we could say, well, that's just not true. But when the words come out of people people's mouths, right, like Trump says uh, – it's, it's tremendous. I had the biggest turnout for my parade or whatever <laughs> oh God, ever, right? Or whatever, whatever no, he says, do people, people have to take that information and say, is that true? And, and the thing is, is in dreams, which there's dreams in here, right? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're presented with something and you say, is that true? And it's pretty hard to, I'm, um, I don't know how often you guys do it, but in a dream, finding out that you're in a dream is pretty rare. There are techniques that can allow you to do better at it, but it's because your critical faculties are not functioning. You you don't say critical as in like being able to criticize, right? They're just not op- in a full operation. And religious people seem to be um, have the it seems to be like they're presented with evidence, and then that evidence is either adopted and accommodated, ignored. Or it causes a crisis, a belief. And here it's, it's this, this pink beam thing that happened. Clearly this is telegraphed far before in his life that something like this was going to happen, right? True. And the reason it's being telegraphed is because it's, we all have this capacity. We all have this capacity talking, yeah. to generate data. Uh, that is not present in, in the universe of reality and yet distinguishing it from the actual universe of reality. And it's right in, in here where he says reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, it, does not go away, right? right. Um, it's great. The problem here is, is if you have a, uh, some sort of quote, quote unquote religious experience, like he, he had and has had multiple times as evidenced by what's going on in here, He's trying to accommodate that reality, but he's he's just spinning his wheels. Like this is yeah. this is absolutely untethered he, to critical he, um, saying. No, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, go for it.
2: He yeah. literally said that when his friends are talking to him, he mm-hmm. he said, uh, every time Kevin tore down a fat system of delusions, mocked them and lampooned them, fat gained strength. Huh. Like just." Totally, like anything contrary to what the patterns are that he's drawing, made the patterns stronger.
3: Well, that's self-criticism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the most self-critical books there are.
2: Which is while the best going of off the
3: book. on a, a wild tangent, but mm-hmm. he doesn't believe it. He's constantly well, oscillating between. It.
4: What? Yeah. I agree there's self criticism in this book. It's, it's
3: all the time. It's constant. It's horse lover fat is the naive um, uh, 60s, uh, early 70s um, sociological type. And um, he's constantly sh- showing and merging with that type because it's him too and distancing himself. Um, aside from that, uh, I think it's failed. But there's lots of um, ideas that you can find in all sorts of other places either from his sources or, or things that he couldn't know about. Um, the thing about information, I open up a book by um, Michel Serre, a, a, a French philosopher who just died last year, and he he says um, uh, everything, um, uh, information uh, circulates. I'm translating, uh, so it may not be totally... Fluid or correct information circle, circulates in and between the totality of uh, existence universally. What is thinking, receiving, emitting, stocking uh, and uh, treating information? Um, and our thinking is just uh, like the world, which is, um, constantly emitting, uh, receiving, stocking and treating information. So, um, it's not totally, um, it's not totally just bullshit, um, freewheeling um, discourse because he, he tries to translate what his experience was. If we can get to what his experience there's, was, there's something um,
0: fundamentally broken he, in in his his. It's broken. I agree. In but his, there's lots
3: of good stuff too.
0: I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying it's I'm not worth reading. I'm, what I'm saying is basically is that there's something broken in his head and and that it's like there's a, he's, a, he's a car engine and there is a serious problem with them with with the mechanism and so i i picked uh, i i did a search for black iron prison right that's one of the these phrases that gets in his head or god in his head somehow and he can't let it go but the word the one that's even greater in here is the empire never ended now the thing what? is is this is technically true in a certain sense right the roman empire Never ended, right? We are told at some point in our schooling or our education we learn that the Roman Empire fell, and then we find out, oh, wait, not the Eastern Empire, right? And they, right, wait, but then the, the, the Pope's still around, right? And well, uh, the Pope, to,
1: wait, wait, Jesse, the Pope is not the Roman Empire. You're, it's you're the going, Holy you're, Roman you're, Empire. You're, no, 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 you're going to the whole Donation of Constantine, and that is been proved to be absolute BS. <laughs> proved proved you're you're using
0: one of okay. the words it, it,
1: it was made it was made up in medieval times to justify church power the donation of constantine never happened so yes the roman empire fell in 1453 when the turks conquered byzantium end of story the Holy no, Ur- it, empire you're just a declaring
0: lot. that but for 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 not for paul for phil for for fat there's this thing that happens he comes to the realization. That time is not what we think it is. And he's not wrong. <laughs> we don't understand time very well. So I want to read this section. This is when he, he's, he, he's somehow prompted by somebody to, oh, Kevin prompts him to, uh, talk about his exegesis. Uh, if this actually happened, whoever Kevin is, is basically, tr- he's teasing, he's teasing Dick. So he goes like this. supposedly KW Jetta. There you go. Oh, you, really?
1: I didn't know that. Wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, what was the other? Uh, There's another from Tim Powers, Powers is, is, is supposedly Tim yeah. Powers
1: gets mentioned. That, yeah, yeah, they mention a bunch of authors in the book. But so I didn't, I didn't realize Kevin was Jeter.
0: You found but a some... way into the upper realm, Kevin declared. <laughs> that word, declared. Isn't that how you put it in your journal? And then intrusively we're thrown a part of the exegesis here. Number 48. Two realms there are. Notice the construction of this sentence. Upper and lower. The upper derived from hyper-universe, I, or Yang, form I of Parmenides. Now, I can see all this shit happening in his brain because I've had these thoughts myself. Is sentient and volitional. This all sounds like good sentences. The problem is is they refer to themselves. Like, this is not... I'll just continue here. Listen, the lower realm, or yin... Form two of Parmenides is mechanical, driven by blind, efficient cause. Deterministic determinism is broken. We are not even aware of it. So occluded are we. And then it ends with the empire never ended. And then he, he continues. Uh, this is, this is fascinating stuff, but it, it's, it's not really science fiction. Listen to this. A small, pretty dark haired girl walks silently past fat and a huge old woman carrying her shoes. At breakfast time, she had tried to smash a window using her shoes, and then, having failed, knocked down a six-foot-high black technician. Now the girl had about her the presence of absolute calm. The empire never ended, Fat quoted to himself. <laughs> that one sentence appeared over and over again in his exegesis and in this book. Um, it had become his tagline. <laughs> Originally, the sentence had been revealed to him in a great dream. In the dream, he again was a child, searching dusty youth bookstores for rare old science fiction magazines. Dude, this is my life. I understand this. <laughs> In particularly, astoundings. In the dream, he had looked through countless tattered issues, stacks upon stacks, for the priceless serial entitled The Empire Never Ended. If he could find it and read it, he would know everything. That had been the burden of the dream. I've had this dream. Uh, except it was comic books and I had to swim into New York under, I couldn't get into this building, but I could see through the glass that they had uh, inside the flooded New York. There was a table uh, floating on a raft and on top of the table were a whole bunch of comic books. I figured mm-hmm. out how to get it. I swam in through a lower dove down, swam in through a lower open window, came up and climbed up onto the, uh, what are those things? Uh, the uh, floating docks or whatever they were, Up onto the table, try not to get the comics that are sitting on top of the table, on top of the dock, all wet, the barges, I guess they were, and gorgeous, wonderful, amazing comic books. So many to read, right? And then the horror. I can't get them out. I'm stuck in here. I can't take these comics. They'll get wet and be destroyed. It was a nightmare, right? And I've had many, many dreams like exactly what he's talking about here, right? So uh, here the difference is I moved on with my life (laughs) and he did, he's, he's obsessed in a way. Well, I I sort of moved on. We'll see. (laughs) I'm just going to continue reading a little bit here. Um. Okay. uh, Okay. Prior to that interval in which he was experienced the two world imposition, superimposition, he had seen not only California USA of the year 1974, but also ancient Rome. He had discerned within the superimposition, a gestalt, shared by both space-time continua. Their common element, a black iron prison. That's the first time it comes up in the book. This is where the, this is what the dream referred to as, quote unquote, the empire. He knew it because upon seeing the black iron prison, he had recognized it. (laughs) Everyone dwelt in this, in it without realizing it. The black iron prison was their world. Who had built the prison and why? He could not say, but he could discern one thing. The prison lay under attack. An organization of Christians, not regular Christians, such as those who attended the church every Sunday and prayed, but secret early Christians wearing light gray, uh, colored robes had started an assault on the prison and with, with success. Secret early Christians were filled with joy. <laughs> like, how does he know this? Because he, he feels like it's true and he's actually working it out as he's thinking about it, right? This is not this is what how how you make science fiction this is not science fiction You see what well, I mean
3: There's a, a, a part where he 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 says it instead of showing it So otherwise superimposing the present on the past that's what James Joyce does with uh, Ulysses but he doesn't make speeches uh, about it all through the book but aside from that if I can tell you when I first read this was in um, 1981 or 1982. Um, I was in Paris, and um, at the same time that I was reading Philip K. Dick, I I was attending the seminars of uh, someone, I think it was one of the greatest philosophers of the 20th century, Gilles Deleuze, and he was talking about the cinema, and he was showing how there were two, according to him, two time axes, um, the ordinary one that is – mechanical movement that is one um, aspect of the cinema and then a vertical time axis, which is um, for him um, ways of grouping um, p- different um, periods of time together by some sort of shared meaning. And at the same, same time that had nothing to do with that, um, I was reading Marie-Louise von Franz, um, the chief Disciple of, of of Jung, number and time, and she explained that um, uh, in Jungian um, uh, theory, um, it, the unconscious introduces uh, a second axis of time. So you've you've got the ordinary axis, and then you've got a, a, a vertical axis. And she had developed that in discussion with Wolfgang Pauli, um, one of the creators of. Um, uh, quantum theory, who kept up uh, a running discussion with Jung uh, over 20 or 30 years. So it's, um, uh, it seemed uh, a pretty ordinary enough idea when I uh, read it, given the context of what I was reading, and uh, it is tied to some sort of um, not just philosophical speculation, and it's tied to um, a particular experience he had. Well, a set of experiences. Mm-hmm.
0: And his working out, I think the working out of it, right? He had the experience, and then the working out of it is what we're seeing here and in that, not that I've read it, but in the exegesis as well, right? It's also well, it, well, uh, it, oh, go yeah. for it.
1: Yeah, yeah well, no, I, I wanted, I, because Merce has been quiet, has read parts of the exegesis, so I wanted to hear her about <laughs> the exegesis.
2: No, I haven't read a lot of it. I've just been dipping into it when I read one of his books. Um, just it's still more than it. me,
1: so what do you yeah. have to say?
2: you be quiet. I I, don't, I didn't. I haven't read it in long enough to add anything to the ballast discussion.
0: Isn't it? Isn't this like basically what it is?
2: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think what's this in here is the parts that you need to know for to understand what he's trying to say. And like to be honest, I don't find them that revealing. It's <laughs> kind of nonsense to me. Well, it
0: makes sense to him, sort of. But that the problem I think is is he is trapped by like. The, the 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 big words that he's using like they are they they feel like they mean something because there are definitions to them but when you string them together like w- usually when I'm doing this sort of thing like as a sort of a game it's it, it, you know and I essay writing as a game kind of what I do is I write them first and then I try and figure out what I'm saying because <laughs> I just put the words together and and it's almost like the way um Star trek uses, uh, technobabble, or the original uh, next generation, yes. use technobabble, right? Is is they they say, uh, or wh- how's the doctors doctors say it reverses the flow of the neutron? How's it go?
1: Well, reverse the polarity, of the neutron flow. That's right. The third doctor. So test.
0: neutrons don't flow. <laughs> neutrons don't have polarity, <laughs> so reversing the flow, and they don't have
1: charge either.
0: So that, uh, yeah. well, that's, well, that's what that's oh, what like so it it's gobbledygook, but it sounds good, and the. It's not, I guess gobbledygook is not the right word for it. (laughs) But the important part is, I mean, he's not, he, he thinks that these words have meaning. And so notice it's a black iron prison. Is the, is the blackness referred to the iron? (laughs) Because there is such a thing as black iron. Or is it just a dark place? Is it a prison? Uh, apparently it's a prison. It is an iron prison. Does that mean steel will be able to get you out of this? Like, It's just a phrase that popped into his head at some point and he realized this has great significance. And the problem is it doesn't have great significance because those are a particular set of things that are associated with significance, but it could have been something else. And that's why when he goes on and on about the early Christians in the empire, I say, I say this is like religious. This is how religions are birthed, right? Some guy has exactly. Yeah, go for it.
2: I was going to say um, that I think my overwhelming experience of this book, um, probably if I had a bit longer, like I could have read this maybe three weeks before the podcast and had a, a couple of weeks to just like chew it over and mm. read his more of his letters and other things he wrote about. But just from coming straight out of it, from reading it in the last few days, my overwhelming feeling of it was it was so sad. Like even though all the all the hilarious Philip K. Dick bits from his life. I felt like it's just watching him have a mental breakdown on the page. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. All these like ideas that he's trying to make sense of, and uh, I don't know. I just I thought he says it right at the start. It's a slow decline into depression, psychosis, and isolation, and mm-hmm. that's what I feel like this book is. Like, it it, it's it kind feels of like,
0: It's like Scanner Darkly, except it's real, right? Like it actually to him Yes, in
4: real time as
1: we so,
2: watch. I didn't. Yeah, and it got worse th- as the book went on. So, like, by the end of it, I just, I felt awful. Like, I was like, I didn't mm-hmm. enjoy all the humor and the bits that I was enjoying early on kind of vanished by the end of it. I was like, ugh,
4: yeah. it's I awful think what's to watch. A bit sad, sad about this for me as well is I think Philip Dick really has some interesting things to say about religion Holy. throughout his mm-hmm. career, like about new religious movements, about subjective experiences, and, and, you know, even the way he uses drugs has that Religious aspect. I think he's really getting at something about subjective subjective experiences. Almost in a, I always think of William James and I. Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't there isn't That's there right. a William James yeah. referent in here somewhere? I think probably. I, th- I think there was like somewhere. a fake book title what? that was uh, on variety of something. Maybe maybe. Right, is there yeah.
2: is there anything not referenced in here?
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, like a, tra- a trained philosopher who has some weird idea is trained to think through, does this actually get us anywhere? Is it relevant? Does it make sense? And then trains himself how to communicate that to the reader. And Dick doesn't do any of that stuff.
0: He's, ta- he's, t- he's trying to convince himself. He's trying to figure it out for him- himself. And but he's, he's publishing a book. Yes. And, and, but uh, but, but it's, his it's wife, that's his wife harassing him. you got to stop writing that shit. Get back to writing books. That, that make money. You're, what are you doing? The thing is, he wrote a really, really good book
4: uh, uh, called Radio Free Album Myth, and he didn't bother publishing it. it was, it's so much better.
0: Interesting. I disagree.
3: Uh, this one, um, Valis, is is really multidimensional. It's uh, masterful from the very beginning. I don't this think he, he's, he's breaking down um, in this novel. He's just got so much um, translations between different types of discourse including his fucked up uh, life um, the only sad thing I, I, I can see is that um, he um, is sort of grinding along and he he feels that there's something to do with the relation with um, women that has to be sort of integrated into his uh, personality and uh, it's, it's male, male, male all along and um, the, all the women are, are, are bitches and bastards who, who want everyone to die around them and even Take Sophia is um, um, uh, just a, a couple of glimpses and, and then she's off and probably the next Messiah will be uh, a, a man again. So um, it's really one-sided from that point of view. But I don't think you can compare it with the Exegesis. The Exegesis is um, uh, a fake book. He never wrote um, that as a book. Mm -hmm. It's been put together and there's ten times more material. So it's a selection done by um, some people um, who uh, I don't know how they were selected. Um, uh, Jonathan Lethem. Um, probably likes Dick a lot. Simon Critchley is a philosopher, and he made it clear that he thought all that was rubbish. Mm-hmm. So he's um, uh, not the most sympathetic person to put together people's notes, which could be totally transformed with the irony and the context into meaning something totally different. So
0: this is a novel. I don't. I don't dispute that. What, what I'm saying is um, that that it's a, i don't think of it as science fiction novel i think of it more of a metafiction novel it's not a fantasy either because it's it's too much about i mean he's dealing with with fantastic things that he he perceived as happening and i don't i don't doubt that he perceived those uh, perceptions the problem is is um it's it's almost too what it is for me to say, Oh, this is interesting. I'm uh, like, it, it, I think it's most interesting to him. And that's, that's uh, sort of the issue. Now, where it intersects with the stuff like in his previous writings, I'm like, wow, that's amazing that he, he's working on these things earlier in his. From the life. beginning. It, basically, right? Um, I always forget the name of it. Uh, I, it's not I in the guy. What's the one with the. With the gods that are taking over a small town? Cosmic Puppets. Cosmic Puppets. I always puppets, forget the yeah, name that, of it. Okay.
1: Yeah, we we like that one. That I, I like one. that
0: one. So it has all the stuff uh, that's in there is in here too, except the difference there is it's, it's a fiction novel that is not a metafictional exploration of uh, this guy named Philip K. Dick, although the protagonist is very like Philip K. Dick. I feel like I'm much more grounded there because – the reality is, is being presented as a, as a, a reality. Whereas here, the reality is like every, uh, every time I, I, I kind of like it and the, what he's done with breaking himself off from himself.
2: But oh, yeah, that's great. It's, that's real, my,
0: it's a, that's pretty, brilliant. It's a pretty cool idea. The problem is, is it, it, he, he keeps, it's like he gets stuck in this loop. And that's yeah. the sad part, right? That uh, And he
2: himself says this, like, here is him talking about Phallus and the exegesis. He says, um, he says, somewhere along the line, maybe years ago, I lost control of the idea so that it began to dominate me rather than I, yes. it, I have become a mechanical function of my own idea, the idea that something is wrong in the cosmos, and I have to figure out what it is. No one has been able to do this, but I am going to do this. I am like a rat trying to get aboard a rat-proof ship. There is simply no way that, that rat is going to get aboard the ship.
0: Forty-six so times, the empire yeah. never ended. Forty-six. And all times of his,
2: all of novel. his friends and his girlfriends talking about him at this time are saying that he lost it. Like he, he was obsessed, possessed, like, and it exhausted him, and maybe even like killed him. Like, he just exhausted himself. There was
0: something. They- mechanically wrong i mean brain's not a mechanism there's something mechanically wrong um in his brain and and that's the sad part but the thing is is Mm -hmm. his brain was still like if if if, if it's like the The radiator, radiator you know and there's the clutch and the alternator there was one of these things that was broken but the rest of the engine was good in fact it was one of the best engines ever put out of the factory right um terrible terrible metaphor but the thing is is he is trying to reconcile what that thing is but he can't quite like he goes to the therapist and the therapists seem to sort of become part of the problem right they
2: yeah which is true that like literally happened as well
0: exactly and so that's classic philip
4: dick right yes philip Dick walks into a psychiatrist's office right Something. A lot, and that's actually and they become uh, a, a f- that's part of the novel I rather like because yeah. it's it's going back to these themes about institution versus individual, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what I, I really I really think Philip Dick is a political writer, and that what I find so vapid about this novel *Valis* and why I like Rachel Free so much is that the latter is is very very political, even though it's dealing with yes, some similar this is theme.
0: not a political book at all. It's it's the opposite. Right, it's,
4: it's got, like, ennui about politics, even though, like, there's an opening scene where, like, the police steal his stuff or something. I don't know. Isn't that early in the novel? There's some politics early in the novel, but he just kind of... Yeah, no, it's watches. not... Yeah, he, a, he talks about Fremont. Kind of yeah, goes not, into himself. Yeah, But every page of Radio Field Myth is, is the society against the state. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're getting help from this satellite. but And the way it helps is basically by... You know, encouraging movements to do little things like get subversive lyrics into popular songs, right? But this, the resistance is always there, and there's there's a hope there in humanity, able to one day overthrow this for
0: Fremont.
4: All right, uh, in it you gotta find Jesus. That's the conclusion at the end, it seems. Or or yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's sure? a Christian distillation of the ideas of Ray Bradbury.
1: Is like, yes, Jesus is the way, even if his his interpretation of Jesus is not something that any Christian or Catholic Church would recognize.
4: And then in, it, the, it, divine it's invention, a, in the next novel, it's literally Jesus does come. I mean, that's I I haven't read that word. one
1: at all. I don't know anything about you that. I, just, I knew about that also, so I hadn't read it before this. Yeah, that one I have not read at all, so <laughs> I'm kind of worried about it. But I want to. I want to. I want to make. I want to read a quote from a different book here, one that uh, Terence mentioned, in a in, in the, in the, in, in, uh, context of a. Uh, the ballast has an idea shaping him. And this is from Shadow and Claw, which is Gene Wall. Oh, we believe that we invent symbols. The truth is that they invent us, we are their creatures shaped by their hand defining edges. When soldiers take their oath, they are given a coin and a semi stamp with the profile of the autark. Their acceptance of that coin is the acceptance of the special duties and burdens of military life. They are soldiers from that molded, even though they know nothing of the magic of arms. I did not know that then, but it's a profound mistake to believe that we must know of such things to be influenced by them. In fact, to believe so is to believe in the most debased and superstitious kind of magic. The would-be sorcerer alone has the faith in the efficacy of pure knowledge. Rational people know that things act for themselves or not at all. So uh, this whole idea of Bayless, the symbol of Bayless, basically took over his mind, mm-hmm. and yeah. and warped him to unfortunately his end. And it's a tra- it's a tragic story played out in a in a novel. Whether you call it Jesse science fiction or not, he, we're basically seeing the breakdown of of Dick to this idea that had infected him in real time. But he did yeah. write one more good novel.
4: Paul, well, he did write one more good novel, Transmigration of Timothy Archer, a mainstream okay. novel, not fiction at all. That's a great novel. So he still had it in him when he got over this stuff. So somehow, I think he, he must have got over it, or maybe this had this cathartic effect, writing mm. ballast and device. A
0: remission, it. yeah. Of course, he had the owl and daylight. That's a nice works.
4: word for it, Paul. <laughs> That's fact, back, yeah. back to this ballast nonsense.
0: Alright, I, I want to read this from Chapter 9, because I promised to do this, and, uh, it's, it's relevant. I didn't know it would be relevant, but it's relevant. So Philip Kiddick uh, wrote a poem in 19, or published a poem, wrote a poem, 1977. I think it's wrote mm-hmm. and it's published a little later. I, I think I previewed it for you on Twitter before. Um, uh, but yep. I'm going to read uh, the opening to chapter nine and then we will, uh, read the poem and then I'll give you the letter, which is associated with it. I think it's pretty great. Uh, so chapter nine, Wordsworth Ode. Carries the subtitle, Intimations of Immortality from Recollections of Early Childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a way to start a, uh, chapter. In Fat's case, the intimations of immortality were based on the recollections of a future life. I love how he juxtaposes these two things. There's this fact I learned, which he does this all the time in this book and in, in, and in, in his own other life. I, I do it too. I just tweet out a little fact. He takes a fact and then he, uh, <laughs> he just juxtaposes it with his own interpretation or his own experience of it and that basically is fundamentally the issue i think is going on in his brain is the, that you can put these two beside each other is kind of the problem anyways
3: but but that's the science fiction aspect i, I, I he, indeed he it would on be about the past and and the um, black iron prison it would but, be but he, but he does that by saying it's not in fiction fact, it comes from the, the future problem. not from the past
0: the problem is, is it's not fiction right it's it's his it's a theory, and the problem is it's unfalsifiable except by other theory. Anyways, second paragraph of chapter nine. In addition, Fat could not write poetry worth shit. <laughs> Despite his efforts, he loved Wordsworth's ode, and he wished he could come up with its equal. He never did. That's pretty funny. Um so here's one of the very few uh Philip K. Dick poems. I'm gonna read it. On a Cat Which Fell Three Stories and Survived, 1977 by fellow Kedick. Uh, Boldness is no virtue, if it causes the surprised organism, to fall a thousand years, wondering as he plunges how he went wrong and where the error lay. Little bodies coast on wind. Spiders, for example, sail on strands, and cats, they say, align themselves according to tides. But humans and their like drop as iron would drop. Crushing and crushed, amazed in ruin. Ah, uh, God seems to harbor on inverse ratio to size. I'm shaking my head because I don't know what this means. Anyways, uh, there was no path back, even had he lived, and yet he found it. Crouched in basement darkness, frightened by cars and groaning noise. First one day, then a the next, then the other days. On and on, infinitudes of time within a little mind, but mind, capital M, devoted to remembered safeness, once a spot to eat and lie, once human friends, once peace, now torn away and only roarings left, and knowledge of the doom of living things. We humans have been told to wait, always alert, upon a magic kingdom still to come, five days for animals. Eternities for men, but nonetheless the same, the weight, the fear, the promise, and the hope. We larger ones, we none of us, not one, have faith that strong ability, that pure, he was entitled to return, and did so. But I ask, what of us? We lack the stamina, and wander off. So this is absolutely baffling. Right? That's, a, that's a summary of the book. It is. A, it's really yeah. interesting. And cats the, do the come up.
3: Humans fall like I am The black I children. didn't know. I didn't the know it would be so appropriate. Yeah, it is. Staying, waiting, and staying alert. Yeah. Um, that's a summary of the book.
0: I, I I think it's pretty close. And he does talk about cats quite a bit in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is the important part for me. Is like the the key to decoding it, right? This is, uh, I don't, I don't remember what magazine I got this from, but, um, anyways, it's, it's, uh, an essay entitled Phil's Cat by K.W. Jetter. In 1977. Ah. Oh, wow. In 1977, Philip K. Dick made, or Philip, Phil Dick made several trips from his home in Santa Ana to visit friends in Northern California. At that time, I had an apartment a few blocks away and I offered to walk over once a day to look after Phil's two cats, <laughs> Mrs. Tubbs and Harvey. <laughs> While he was away, as the weather was quite warm, Phil had placed the cat's litter box out on the balcony of his third floor apartment, leaving the sliding glass door open for them. Harvey, an elegant but paranoid black cat, seemed to take his main pleasure in jumping to the top of the balcony's wooden railing and watching the traffic in the street. That was another reason uh, Phil always left the door open. He couldn't bear to see the cat gazing wistfully through the glass at his favorite perch Several days after Phil had left, I entered his apartment and found only Mrs. Tubbs waiting to be fed. I searched the apartment and didn't find Harvey. Finally, I surmised that the cat had jumped to the balcony rail, overshot his balance, and fallen outside. A search of the street surrounding the apartment building and a, and a later visit to the county animal shelter turned up nothing. Harvey had probably been so freaked out by the fall that he'd hit the ground running, disappearing God knows where, or perhaps being run over by the street traffic. Again, lots of stuff from the book here, right? I called Phil up at his at the friend's house where he was staying and told him he had seen so many living things die in his time, and that his sadness was tinged with a certain fatalistic attitude. The cat would have been unhappy if it had hadn't been allowed to free access to the balcony in the in this universe. Ah, sorry, in this universe, the one thing in this universe, the thing one most loves can be fatal. Phil was delayed in his return by a science fiction convention he had promised to attend. Five days later, I picked him up at the Orange County Airport and drove him home. After we parked in the underground garage below the building, Phil grabbed my arm and said, Listen, do you hear something? In all honesty, I didn't. There was nothing down there but bare concrete pillars and cars lined up in their oil-stained spaces. We went up to Phil's apartment and talked until late. Phil told me the next day that after I'd left, he'd gone back down to the underground garage. In the middle of the night, with an open can of cat food in his hand, he had searched among the cars for hours, trying to locate the tiny sound he thought he could hear. He had found Harvey, crouched on top of the tire in a wheel well. The car was one that hadn't been moved in several days. By that time, Harvey was just two big yellow eyes, scared out of his mind, unable to move when Phil call- when called. Phil told me he had had to wrap the cat in a towel to keep him from clawing out of his arms, and he carried him home. The car where Phil had found Harvey, I pointed out to him, was directly beneath Phil's apartment three stories above. The cat, his small mind not comprehending the vertical dimension (laughs) that had placed his home so far away, had come as close to home as he possibly could. His spatial coordinates had been right on target. It was the world itself that had been altered in the fall. Then all Harvey could do was wait. Phil died in the early days of March 1982. I came across my copy of the poem Phil wrote about the cat and gave it to his friends. At the time of his death, many of his friends were able to speak of their grief. Some had memories of him from earlier, unhappier times in his life. It is unfortunate that They weren't able to know him as I and others in his last circle friends did when his self-destructive urges had been transcended by his love for his writing. My own powers to say anything, my own powers to say anything failed me and they fail me again. In my mind, I see Phil methodically combing the aisles of cars parked in the underground garage, searching with an open can of food in his hand through the dead silent metal and concrete, all surrounded by night the little scrap of warmth he wished to shelter, ludicrous hope, his and the cat's, a faith that believed in faithfulness.
2: Aw, that's awesome.
0: It is awesome, right? Yes. What a
2: cool, like, insight into him.
0: And and the poem has absolutely, uh, it's uh, out of context, it's utterly baffling, right? But once you see it in the light of the story, and in the light of this story, you know, he's the cat, Right? <laughs> This is what the empathy thing that he's so known for is all about, why he loves so many animals and and it's 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 it's, it's very beautiful really
1: yes, it is very beautiful where is the jetta
3: um anecdote recounted
0: uh, i on a cat which fell three stories I will look it up on i s f d b
3: okay. Uh, is it available, I mean? So uh,
2: a lot of empathy
1: for cats,
2: but really his um, his weird relationship with women really comes out in this Phallus book. Like, did you guys notice all the, like, weird resentments and, like, the retroactive um, blaming the woman <laughs> for everything him. going Wait, mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's
3: his weak point. He um, he considers um, his empathy for uh, women um his um bad side when it's probably that that could have um, saved him
2: Mm -hmm.
3: well he had to choose the right woman
2: (laughs) it was amazing how he talked about the um sherry with the cancer i thought like i hadn't had never heard a character described that way before who's suffering something so horrible like Mm. cancer but he really is like yeah she's milking it she's like she wants it she kind of deserves it because it's Making her happy And is that battle, his, like, perc- is
0: that his perception or is that the reality? Right? So. Uh, yeah,
2: exactly. Like people with can- cancer can be bad people as well. It's not like only good people get cancer. <laughs> or
0: maybe, maybe that's not being bad either. But was she, was she doing that? Did she know that she was doing that? Right? So like, uh, when, it, when presented with that statement that she's milking it, I would say like, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And if he says, you know, she said, this to one person and this to another person. And, uh, when it's convenient for her, she milks it. And when it's not, you know, like just citing c- citations, I say, okay, I can see why you could come to that conclusion. Right. But, uh, is she know she's doing that? <laughs> right. So that's the, I think essentially the, the main problem is that he is con, he's confronted with both sense data and mm-hmm. Actual sentences and, and both of them are not subject to critical, uh, questioning, right? So, um, I saw a ghost once. I'm satisfied that my seeing of the ghost was in my head rather than, uh, in the reality. But if it wasn't, I can imagine, uh, being more, uh, mm-hmm. accepting of the idea of ghosts. I love the idea of ghosts. I think about it all the time. Unfortunately, I cannot believe in it. Right. So that's the, that's the cool thing is, is he, when we have access to his, his life, we actually better understand his fiction. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and this poem is completely baffling without the, (laughs) without having read Vallis and without having known a lot about Felix's life, and this letter, which tells how the incident came. It says it was uh, part of a letter written to Laura and Anne uh, December 24th, 1977. And uh, it was in Last Wave Summer 1984.
3: Uh, I, I think uh, the the personal element is um, part of the style as well. I mean, it's the Shadow out of time, mm-hmm. um, told, um, with the experiential aspect of what it feels like to have a, a voice, um, from a different uh, century I- inside your head.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that's once Animesis, again, right? That's the not exactly an amnesis because the voice crops up and is talking to him, Thomas. Um, and has more knowledge than he does and and, um, understands what's happening quicker and and teaches him things. Um, Another example is, um, once again, uh, Jung. Um, He uh, gave himself over to his hypnagogic images, as uh, Dick uh, talks about in in Valus, and he had um, conversations with uh, Philemon, who was um, uh, from... um, Several centuries before Christ, and he thought that philemon um was um smarter than him and more intelligent and more cultivated and taught him about life, but he he never he didn't invent uh, a cosmology to to ratify that it was some really physically um, existing event. So I would put Philip k. dick if we take john w. campbell <laughs> who who believed in um his Dianetics. Oh God, that ruined him. Philip K. Dick is slightly better because he splits splits his personality and Horse of a Fat is the equivalent, the more up-to-date equivalent of Campbell. I think
0: he's ultimately always better. Uh, I mean, he's he's a better writer. No, no, Dick is a better writer and a better person. But there is
3: better than that. So Gene Wolfe um, has similar cosmogony, but it's all totally contained and it didn't upset his life at all because he just that's how he translated his, his Catholic ideas with science fiction um, tropes. So, and Jung is somewhere between Dick and, and Wolf for me.
0: Uh, I was also going to say a better thinker. Um, and even though he is, he is, I mean, he could see that uh, that Scientology or Dianetics was bull, bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody could, um, and like he the, saw
3: that what he wrote there was bullshit too. I'm, I'm convinced. Yes, no, that that's, he, that's the
0: thing is he, he does know that the sum of this is bullshit. But the, the but the the seizing the seizing on, you know, it's seized on him in a way that like religion is kind of a mania, right? And it's it does con- here he he isn't saying I'm like he goes to the priests and the priests. Don't have the answers he wants, right? And, and yet he latches onto their stories, and that's in here. Uh, Bishop Pike is in here, right? Jung is in here. Everything's in here. But he here.
3: doesn't understand you. Uh,
0: well, I mean, he's doing his best, right? But the problem is, is he, it, it, I, I was thinking about, like, if he, if Philip K. Dick had access to the internet, this might be the end of him, <laughs> like, much faster end, <laughs> because, um, <laughs> It is, like, if you look up animesis, it has the remembering of things from a supposed previous existence, and then there's a medical term, a patient's account of a medical history, right? Which is not the same as their actual medical history. And then there's the third meaning, the part of the Eucharist in which the Passion, Resurrection, and Ascension of Christ are recalled, right? And then... It goes to the Greek and that's, I mean, I do this all the time. I obsess over etymology and say etymology is everything. And then I say, no, it isn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I, he doesn't, he he doesn't have that no, it isn't part as much. It's, it's, it's almost like he's, um, uh, in, what's that, um, improv? You know, in the improv, somebody says, I'm a toaster. Right. (laughs) If you're doing improv class, the first lesson, I've never done it. Uh, first lesson of improv class is never say no, never contradict, right? You always go with it, right? Unless the whole thing is to say, always say no. <laughs> Have you eaten your toast? No, <laughs> right? Why haven't you eaten your toast? I don't know. <laughs> right. You just keep going on, right? So you'll always go with it. And the thing is, is, Sometimes you shouldn't always go with it. Your sense data or the sentence in front of you shouldn't necessarily be uh accepted. And that's why when you read Jabberwocky or you know Alice in Wonderland, right? Um that you're presented with uh all these sentences that seem like they have meaning, right? Brillig. <laughs> <Was> brillig. <laughs> right. Um the his vorpal sword, right? And and now if you look up vorpal, lots of people a uh, runcible spoon, right? People my dad used to have a runcible spoon. Turns out it was a uh spoon for a serrated edge spoon for uh grapefruit. Right? <laughs> but it sounds like a runcible spoon when you look at it. You say of course, runcible. And and notice that that word runcible is a philip k dick word too. Right? Runciter. And that, that obsession, that, uh, that taking in of words on a, it's something animals don't really do, right? Birds can repeat words that you say, uh, but they don't really generally understand them, right? They don't see them as the sentence object description of reality as a one-to-one map of reality that is presented as sense data. And that's so important that it's almost like we can fall down a well of, of only believing in this one book that was divinely inspired from 4,000 years ago or whatever. And and that's what really the whole New Testament is, right? It's a whole bunch of dudes writing furiously down experiences that they never had with a guy they never met. And Philip K. Dick's doing the exact same thing. And then when he finds out that there was these guys doing the same thing, he says, my God, right? they're exactly like me. I must be one of them. The empire never ended. (laughs) And he's Um, wrong. (laughs) I mean, I think he's wrong. Pretty sure he's wrong. But then he wonders how many worlds
3: do people live in. And um, uh, Kevin has the experience of a druid ceremony instead of a a Christian ceremony. So he puts in indications that it's not the only story, Mm -hmm. even if he is caught up in it.
0: Pretty much Sorry. no, it's not a regular Philip K. Dick novel because it's got a half hour of uh, what notes at the end, of basically. Yeah, the
1: appendix. The appendix. Yeah. Mm. Tractate
0: scriptura, mm. uh, A.K.A. Uh, writings uh, of obscure writing. <laughs> no, it's still Meridian. It's the, the,
3: the genesis stages. of his cosmos.
0: Yeah. Or the, what? What did he call it? Uh. uh in. It, Tra- no, in the early in the book, he, he made a cosmogony. Cosmogony, right? cosmogony yeah. Usually, cosmogony. it takes whole cultures to make a cosmogony, he says. But of course, it, uh, uh, Fat created his own cosmogony.
4: But that appendix is kind of useful because it's it's actually just uh, quoting the selection of exegesis that he quoted in the book itself so yes. It actually is a convenient reference. No,
0: I I, but that's what I'm saying. This is not a Philip K. Dick <laughs> normal novel. But if right?
4: you actually go through it point by point, you can kind of construct his argument. In my episode on Dallas, I I sort of do that. For if anyone's interested.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I listened to your episode, Evan. Um yeah. And I was thinking actually for anyone listening to this, like it's it's a really good episode. I think.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Really fun.
0: I must have heard it a long time ago. It was a when did it come out? Must, I
4: don't know. When well, was I? Early in like the winter. Winter. Okay. Yeah. I was, yeah. toward the end. Toward, yeah, it was one of the last ones I, I did, obviously.
2: <laughs> I was happy to hear it because I started, you know, listening to like other people's thoughts on this to see, and I was a little bit like, people just seem to get so caught up in this novel and take it, I don't know, kind of as if there is some. As a gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, was, it was kind of made well, me feel awkward. And then we at the episode, I was like, thank goodness someone else is thinking <laughs> exactly what I was thinking.
0: There is a, a documentary called The Gospel, according to Philip uh, I'm looking at the yeah. appendix here. Appendix 50. Listen to this. This is just, it's just insane. The primordial source of all our religions lies with the ancestors of the Dogon tribe. Where's his source on that? Source needed when who got their cosmogony citation and needed, cosmology yeah. directly from the three-eyed a- invaders who visited long ago again <laughs> a, so- a citation needed the three-eyed invaders are mute and deaf and telepathic uh, could not breathe our atmosphere had elongated misshapen skull of ich- ichnathan so something fishy right <laughs> just like the people in their their what fish fish tribe can't carry guns right <laughs> And emanated from our planet in the star system Sirius. Emanated from a planet in the star system Sirius. Although they had no hands, but had instead pincer claws, such as a crab has. <laughs> they were great builders. They covertly influence our history towards a fruitful end. Now, if you can say that and not be skeptical, uh, you deserve to be treated by a very careful and nice doctor. I think um, he's skeptical. He's doing his Kilgore Trout um, imitation. Yes. (laughs) Um, But the
1: the, the, the Dogon stuff reminded me of an episode of Cosmos. You all are – the original Cosmos, Mm -hmm. I should say. The Mm -hmm. Carl Sagan Cosmos Mm -hmm. where he talks about the Dogon people. It talks about they have a myth of the star Sirius and the idea that they had – that there was a visible companion to Sirius and this – this was taken by some people as proof of, oh, they must have had ex- contact with extraterrestrials because they knew about this companion of Sirius. Whereas the truth is, by the time the time the Dogon people were contacted, that had already been theorized, and they figured this like some European must have told them about that, or it's a coincidence. It's not a, it's not proof of extraterrestrial contact that they came up with this idea. But I think Philip K. Dick had heard about that, and that's where he started. Of course, Uh, that's
0: what I'm saying is is it's very dangerous for the Internet would have been very dangerous for him because it's it's an endless hole of this stuff. Right. It's uh, so if you go to Wikipedia and type in Dogon, you get this these people. The problem here is, you know, like we don't actually get. The invention of planets, I guess the discovery of planets as other things, as objects that are like the object that we're sitting on for quite a long time, right? It doesn't, it doesn't occur to, uh, I don't know. I guess the Greeks are, are pretty much figuring out that there's, there's other objects in the sky and then we figure out our position in the universe and all that stuff. But it, the idea of an external place rather than another realm, uh, you know, you can associate with a star in the sky, you know, something, but the, it, his citation is, is I read this and it seems to me as it must be true. And then he got something else and, and that gets incorporated too. And it's, it, it, it's, it's very, it's, if you've ever talked to people who are really into horoscopes, um, it's the same kind of thinking. Like there, there are no disconfirming facts. Until there is, right? And then they stop believing in horoscopes as much, usually. But they don't – they still think there's something to it. It's not usually a, a giant radical shift like, oh, my God, I've been conned this whole time, right? Because it's mm-hmm. in the paper. <laughs> or well, it was. I don't know if it still is. It was in the paper. It was published. And if 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 it's published, that means it's true. I mean, this is why people keep reading New York Times and the Washington if it's, Post. If it's, if it's if right? in
1: the sun, it's so, uh, yes.
0: Yes, that's right. and And – just because it's written down doesn't mean it's true, but but that very fact of placing it down and or placing words out in the world, um it, it's a that's how we get offended by people's words.
2: Yeah, I think your um, analogy to horoscopes is really good actually because a lot of my friends who believe in that stuff, they'll say like, you know, like they'll look at me and be like, you know, I don't really believe this, right? But they do. Like they they're reading it, they're living by it, and it's the same kind of thing where they're that Philip K. Dick is doing, he's like, I don't, I'm, I know I'm nutty, <laughs> I know this is nuts, but a part of him is like, obsessively believing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, just the amount of time you spend on it, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You must believe, you must believe it to a certain degree, because or just
2: be caught up on, yeah, something is pulling your brain that you can't let go of.
0: You know, the, the, there's a really cool fact about uh, horoscopes; are not universal. To the earth right there are other things and there's this one out of japan that has also gone into korea and I, I assume into china too i don't know um it's a uh, blood types so your blood type tells you about your personality
2: oh yeah this, you
0: heard about what? this oh yeah no it's real i'm not life. sure i want to know either that's crazy yep so if you're oh like i had a student say you must be a b negative or whatever and i'm like i have no idea <laughs> they say but you don't know your blood type <laughs> like no <laughs> And they say, how can you not know your blood type? And you say, you must be, that's very, uh, uh, O positive or whatever
2: it is. Oh my goodness.
0: And then it's like, apparently Just blood type no. is destiny. Okay. Imagine
2: saying that about someone's race or something. Like, that's like. <laughs> the, the, so the blood type you're born with now is like your personality. What's so
0: funny is, right, that, that we can't, we can't conceive of that being a thing, right? <laughs> it's like, wait, we barely even know what blood types are for or what they're, <laughs> yeah. what they're good for, but apparently this is destiny, right? In the same way that a, a horoscope is, and, and of course, this is how all the religious functions worked. If you, I, I, I love this one. And this is, this is so Philip K. Dick is you get the word auspicious, right? Which means, uh, it's looking good (laughs) in the future, right? And it comes from birds, uh, Roman times. They would look at the movements of birds and say, Oh, it's auspicious. Uh, The battle's going to go well or whatever, right? Um, and of course that leads us to the opposite word, which is suspicious. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't think we can trust this. Right. I love this, uh, that, that you can get trapped in a whole world of, of etymology and think of it like as a, um, as etymology as destiny. And that's kind of what his problem is. And it is ridiculous, but I cold, I totally see it because I, I get obsessed with etymology too. And it, it yeah. it's not true. Some of the theories I come up with and I'm like, oh, I'm really reluctant to give it up. For example, the one I really love to, uh, say, and it's not true, is the etymology of embarrassed. <laughs> so EM at the beginning of a word means make or made, right? And the rest is bare-assed. So it's like you are up on stage and you're giving your speech you don't want to give. And then somebody runs up behind you and pulls your pants down. <laughs> <laughs> now you are embarrassed, made bare-assed. Now, it sounds like a perfectly good etymology, but as far as I know, that's absolutely not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to give it up because it's so good right? Um and so, yeah, you can you can get obsessed with etymology as destiny, and that there are these magic magic words. Um, I was doing a poem with a student yesterday. And the word "pickaninny" was in it, and this isn't a, a negative word. You're not allowed to use this. It's offensive. Um wow. well, apparently. <laughs> now.
1: Well well, uh, well I was I was thinking more controversially. I mean piccaninny is bad thing. I, I was I recall some years ago that someone got upset by the word niggardly. Yes. Oh yes, of course. Which which has no etymology at all with that word, but it sounds close enough that some people got upset about
0: that's right about it. That's right. So yeah, um, the airplane was retarded by the breaking process. <laughs> now everybody's upset, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it
2: goes past the meaning. Like now, just the sounds magic, are It's a magic to sound. They don't. Yeah, you they put don't care together. what the actual meaning of the word is. It's it, the sound of it is That's now offensive. Right.
0: That's <laughs> right. Because, and the reason it's offensive is because words are presentations of reality. And, Mm -hmm. and that we are the species that does that, right? Uh, Other animals communicate, but as far as I know, none of them use words. The, the whole whale language thing, I don't think we were looking at it the right way. Otherwise we would have cracked it already. I think we're looking at it completely wrong. Um, it's got to be some sort of like, we're, we're thinking it's horoscopes and it's actually blood types, right? Well, it had nothing to do with the way communication. There are other ways of communicating rather than language. Um, uh yeah you know, computers operate apparently in ones and zeros right uh but nobody programs in in binary ones and zeros they program in programming languages uh, cobol and uh uh i don't know <laughs> that's the only one i know <laughs> c++ right they program in uh, other languages so when we're presented with uh an experience like I saw a ghost or that's a nice hat, <laughs> even though nice is a subjective term. It's a red hat, right? Or red's a subjective color. We're presented with some sensory data.
2: Red hat's are not nice hats.
0: That's right. Words on a page, uh, words in your ear, uh, words on a sign. Um, it's like seeing a, a stop sign in red and then the word go instead of superimposed over where the stop would be. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's going to cause a dis- dysfunction in, within us. Because, yeah,
2: that's this book then. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's something like that, and, and and that's why this book has power. It's not because the book, uh, and his particular experiences are, uh, a truth that's being revealed. It's the the re- the revelation of these things is surprising because almost nobody ever talks about this stuff.
2: Yeah, it's a truth of Philip K. Dick that's been revealed, which I think is what's awesome about the book. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you should read and and take like people are taking it as a. It's not a universal truth. It's, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I knew a lot of the stuff from this book in never having read it before because people talk about it so much in his other writings. You know.
2: Yeah, it's and just, he had, do you, go I had it. this quote of how he uh, how he described it to um, Anne, mm-hmm. his ex-wife. He said uh, he called her up and told her delightedly. I'm writing an autobiography about both of my personalities. I'm calling it <laughs> Valis.
3: <laughs> oh.
2: So, and it's true. And that's why Terence is right. It's very skeptical as well, because it's, it's both of his personalities <laughs> are on the page, the skeptical mm-hmm. side and this other thing.
0: And then that's, that's the book's best part. I think is that, that he's decided to structure it as a, um, self-conscious, whatever <laughs> right yeah, it is like uh, literally self-conscious story. right <laughs> <laughs> he's conscious of himself and the, and the, that integration of the personality thing that was his attempt to make this a good book i think is 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 you know to make it a satisfying novel is the reintegration the, then the book continues on after that <laughs> It's kind of mm-hmm. a problem um and because it's uh, because it is so much based on i think actual events i don't think that uh, you know obviously the film was not uh, <laughs> there is no Vallas film as far as I know, <laughs> in my universe. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they went to see some band. He did call up somebody <laughs> in Hollywood, right? Um, he tried to leverage that. Uh, th- that lady, uh, wanted to have some of his sleeping pills so she could kill herself or something very approximately like that happened. Um, and then yeah. he tries Actually, to Anne turn it said into that, a band.
2: She was really surprised that he wrote about gloria that way because she said that that did happen there was a girl named mm-hmm. gloria
1: mm-hmm.
2: Um, who died that way but he barely knew her <laughs>
1: so well, she was like surprised he
2: how did. he made out and here that he yeah that it was a friend of his
3: mm-hmm. but she's a good symbol um uh sick transit gloria mundi she's the symbol <laughs> of the, the the world which is sick right mm-hmm. so from the very beginning that's why i think it's really good um in terms of mastery of style from the very beginning in that anecdote he's already giving his cosmology and at the same time saying um but my cosmology comes from my um pathological experiences Mm -hmm. my pathology and the pathology around me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think he's constantly sending up the or pre-cognitively the people who believe uh, the book and take it literally
0: yeah, there there are some funny bits in in that that self reflection. I think I think that there are some really funny bits in there that are are pointing to you know exactly that.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm surprised that people take some, like some of it so seriously. Because I'm like, he's literally in here, like like making fun of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's he's deflating the thing in real time, and people still think it's real. It's Like, <laughs> aren't you not reading the book? Yeah,
0: and thinking about that movie. Um, and uh, and this is, again, if he lived in our age where we can access movies, like I can get uh, a video pretty fast and then I can freeze frame it and rewind and watch the same scene again, looking at all the different parts. And they're talking about watching the, the pot uh, show up in the film right mm. first it's a, a water jug held by a lady down by the river and then it's over here and they, they think it's a fish symbol the reason you think it's a fish symbol is because of this but it's actually the the dna molecule and this actual this actual pot exists oh my god and then thinking to how it connects to other stories like galactic pot healer right which is such yes, a great great too. call call it's like oh this this pot actually did exist right this this pot given to him by one of his uh, ex-wives or whatever um and so many things like that are like oh yeah of course this is he takes this little or the jewelry in Manahai castle right the the idea that this one uh, i mean philip k dick knows how crazy he is he, one there's a scene yeah. where at the beginning of the book He's he's uh, at a funeral. I think this is at the beginning. He's at a funeral, and there's a photograph of him leaving the funeral early because he can't take it. He's climbing into the <laughs> he's climbing into a Volkswagen. <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> yeah, I love that part. And then he's questioning like who's he's like embarrassed about it. And then he's like, wait, whose reaction is more authentic? Like that's the right. husband that's not saying anything and putting the rose down on the coffin, or the guy crying in his parked car, right? Like all alone, like. The, oh, the boyfriend crying yeah. in his vodka. Yeah.
0: If he if he were a girl, if Philip K. Dick were a girl, um, he would be subject to a lot of criticism that he uh, I don't think is subject to. Oh, uh, yeah,
2: maybe
0: because um, he takes things emotionally in a way that makes him feel very I don't know, ditzy or uh, something. And he's, and he's
2: quite pathetic. He is,
0: uh, he is incredibly pathetic in many ways. Um, and of course, pathos is
2: <laughs> it's great
0: for feeling. Um, uh, <laughs> doing a little Philip K. Dick there, right? He's getting obsessed about that word empathy versus <laughs> sympathy and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking about how, how great he is at saying that experience of watching a film and not seeing it for exactly what it is. And all the parts and how it's all put together. But if you, if you apply the rules of film watching, uh, that the, these folks have as they go to this movie and watch it, some for the second time, some for the third time, right? Um, those rules really sure. do work when you watch a movie like Blade Runner, right? <laughs> Whereas if you're not paying attention to certain details, and of course, uh, then there's the, all this stuff of, well, did, did, uh, did they intend this to be the meaning, right? <laughs> the unicorn scene? Oh, well, yeah, I think that unicorn is supposed to be in there, right? Uh, what about the eyes being lit up, right? Um, does that mean Deckard's a replicant too, or is that just, right? And then different actors disagreeing. What's so great about that is it's a piece of, as a piece of fiction, um, I'm allowed to spin up as many theories as I want. And as long as I can point to something within the text... I'm golden, right? But as soon as I try and uh, say, well, the production techniques required that they have this, and they couldn't do that thing. That's why there's light in his eyes. Um, if you start talking about things outside of the film, um, what is the where's the meaning, right? If there, if we're talking about the whole of the universe rather than that film then the meaning goes out the window and it becomes macro focused in the wrong direction. And that's what's so cool about that film is he's saying, we have to go back and watch it again and see what was, I didn't see this the first time. Um, and, and then when they go talk to the directors of the film, right? Like if this is like, imagine we add Phil to uh, Philip K. Dick to the uh, Skype call right now. Okay. And I said, well, we just finished your book. <laughs> um, and w- w- these are the thoughts we have. What do you think? <laughs> At the time, he would probably have different thoughts than he would have now, what, 40 years later, right? Yes. Um And. um
2: That's almost guaranteed, reading his would change write, our, writing about yeah, his own Exactly.
0: Books. And we would be, we would have a changed perception of the book because of that. But what's so great is, as a piece of fiction with a fixed beginning chapter and a fixed end appendix, everything in there is. Is searchable. And yes, there are different versions with different commas and maybe something excise or something. But any particular piece you look at and you say, I mean, this is what I do with reading short and deep and this podcast, right? Is we're looking at the text and saying, what does this mean? Is this cool? Uh, what about this idea? What about that idea? Here with this novel, we're, we're breaking past the fourth wall, um, (laughs) into a, a time with Two different axes, right? Up and down, you were saying, uh, Terrence. Up and
3: down. Up and vertical and horizontal. Right. So I well, would he- say
0: the the left and the, you read from left to right. Uh, you start at the beginning and go to the end. But um, he's saying, no, time is God, right? And then, of course, you start thinking about it that way. The last Philip Koenig, uh novel we did where the boy, the boy is basically his son, Chris, right? Um <laughs> can replace his wife who's died um, because he's outside of time. And what does that mean? Like he's working on these ideas the whole time. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, yeah, even though I didn't like it as a novel, I think it's pretty interesting read.
2: It's definitely interesting, but yeah. Uh,
0: So uh,
4: there's this great quote I want to at least sneak in here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it kind of, it, 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 Kind of like what we're saying here about how seriously should we take this and how serious did Dick actually take this this novel. So it's, it's when they're doing, it's when he's doing the Parsifal thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I like Vaughn, yep. so I, I pay special attention to this part. Um, and there's this paragraph um, Parsifal is one of those corkscrew artifacts of culture. In which you get the subjective sense that you've learned something from it, yep. something valuable, even priceless. But on closer inspection, you suddenly begin to scratch your head and say, Wait a minute, this makes no sense. <laughs> I can see Richard Wagner standing at the gate of heaven. You have to let me in, he says. I wrote Parsifal. It has to do with the grail, Christ, <laughs> suffering, pity, and healing, right? And the answer, Well, we read it and it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: There's some... That's really good.
4: Comes
3: back to it later, doesn't he? And and doesn't he say that things that don't make sense are, are in fact, um, uh, good sense? I mean, which heaven do you go to? The Yadabalth heaven and get excluded or or the other one? Good question. Mm. He says later... um, would this then make Horslava fat the saviour himself, the saviour saved? That seems to be the idea which Wagner expresses. Uh, this, and that's the conclusion of the story. It's what Sophia says, which sort of undercuts her. You're the gods. And that's the conclusion of the story. So he does the typical Nietzschean thing of saying that it's um, making um, Wagner glorify stupidity. But then uh, he sticks with the idea of the, the wounded uh, healer, the sa- uh, self-saving savior.
1: The Grail King, yeah.
0: This is interesting. Um, do you, you guys are all watching Watchmen. I guess we talked about it a little bit before we started, and we're saying not going to talk about it. But um, there's a similar uh, joke in... Um, in, I don't know, episode three of Watch. Yeah, I just watched
4: that, the you know, third episode. Is that
0: what what made you bring up the Parsifal, do you think? Because I thought uh, that joke was pretty no, great. Oh, I guess I have a Parsifal
4: with this novel. In fact, Terrence was saying something about the world being kind of enduring suffering. Well, that's that's also Parsifal stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a morph, a morph however it's pronounced. The guy, the, like the grail knight with uh, the king with the wound that doesn't
0: heal. I'm um, Fortis. Um, Fortis. yeah. So the, um, anyways, watch it. Yeah. So the uh, in uh, there's a the third episode is framed around this joke that uh, a character who's been recently introduced tells, and she tells it to um, her ex husband slash boyfriend, who is now a god essentially. Ah, uh, yes, that was good. You saw that episode?
3: Yes. Yeah. I the two that jokes.
0: Was... It, it, you think the joke has failed, and then the second right. joke. That's right. That's right. Um. Uh, I guess Marissa hasn't seen it. Paul, you haven't seen it yet?
1: Nope. Not okay. yet.
0: Um, what's nice about it is it's, it's a basically a callback to the actual Watchmen novel. Um, and it's about the three superheroes go to heaven, right? And one of them is Night Owl. I don't think he's ever called out as Night Owl. Um, another one is Ozymandias. And the third one is, uh, the guy she's talking to. What's his name? Dr. Manhattan.
1: Doctor Manhattan, yeah,
0: right. And um, <laughs>
1: God exists since he's an American. To quote the movie version. Oh
0: well, uh, did the comedian go to heaven? What do you think? <laughs> in no, any ca- no. Doctor Manhattan is God. Uh, oh yes. So God, in-
1: yeah, God, yeah, God is an American, and God, God exists since he's an American. That's a quote from the movie. Yeah, that sounds
3: about right. Um, and it is a fourth person that, which is the woman. There are the three people, the joke goes deaded, it, and then uh, they, God thinks the it's finished, and there's the, the woman layer. that he didn't.
0: Second, the daughter of the bl- bricklayer. Yes. Yes. Well, in any case, the important part is uh, the question, I mean, this doesn't ruin the joke, but it, it just points <laughs> to um, Night Owl uh, gets to heaven. He's standing at the pearly gates, and God's deciding whether he should come into heaven or not, and God says, how many people did you kill? Night Owl gets offended. Uh, at the idea. And he says, none. And Night Owl is a great character, if you remember him, because he is super moral. Um, he wants to be Batman, but going around punching people is gonna cause some problems, social problems, and he feels bad about the idea of killing people. Comedian, uh, is, is, uh, the opposite, right? He enjoys the killing. And the next person to show up is, uh, oh, God sends him to hell because he didn't do anything. Um, to stop all the horror on the earth or whatever. And the next person to show up is, uh, Ozymandias. And God says, how many people did you kill? And he says, three million. <laughs> and God says, well, then you're going to hell. And he sends him to hell. And then the third one is Dr. Manhattan. Um, and he says, how many people did you kill? And then he gives a very long explanation and then says, uh, uh, so I'm sending you to hell. And he says, I'm already there. <laughs> um, so the long story short of, of Parsifal, right? Um, I, I think it's, it's exactly right. Um, there are these things that seem to have great meaning, right? And then when you examine them closely, uh, that's not what they have. <laughs> they have no meaning. <laughs> They're action set pieces set up. Like that's the way I feel about Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. But ultimately, it has. You know, I read the first book. I don't think I watched any of the movies except for one of them, half half of one of them. Um, But the problem is, is ultimately, it's empty. It's it's a bunch of cool stuff happening, but ultimately, it's empty. Whereas I feel like with Lord of the Rings, um, the experience is not just the great spending time on a walk with Gandalf and some hobbits. It's, um, it's about meaning, right? Uh, finding meaning in, in existence and denying that meaning, uh, by hiding in a secondary world, but also trying to hide in the secondary world of our own in the earth somehow, right? I think there's something deep there. Whereas when I, I read Harry Potter, maybe it's just an age thing. I feel like it's, it's about the setups for these, these action sequences of, of spell casting. And yeah, sure. You see some kids grow up and stuff happens. And there's some revelations and twists and turns. But ultimately, I don't think it has any meaning. So would uh, Tolkien would go to heaven. <laughs> uh, and Parsifal would, uh, uh, Wagner would go to hell. <laughs> and, uh, so would Harry Potter's author. Rowling. JK right.
4: Rowling? I'm Wagner oh, also looking Meister singer, so I think it's the it's wash. Say, so it say, say
0: that again. Say that again, Evan.
4: Well, there's other Wagner operas. You can't judge okay. Wagner. Don't just judge me on Parsifal. Parsifal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, The Ring. You've got to go to heaven for The Ring.
0: Okay. Oh, no. Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Valhalla. <laughs> You're in the wrong heaven, <laughs> sir. Get out of here. <laughs> pick, 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 pick your afterlife. And
1: there are novels about that sort of idea. Pick your afterlife. That's right. This is not the afterlife Vahala. for you. I, Vahala, I don't
4: know. I guess Valhalla ends at some point, right? So, it's
1: uh, not, well, Valhalla uh, ends. Valhalla ends at Ragnarok because then every yeah, nearly a, everybody it's dies and the world begins again. So yeah, Valhalla is a temporary heaven.
0: Yeah, heaven. Uh, that's a very strange right? yeah. I well, like yeah, it.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's a strange. And a, a, a time bounded habit.
0: Let's uh let's talk about other stuff before Marissa has to leave if she hasn't left already. So
1: are we done with that, Alice? Then I
0: think we're done with Alice, right? <laughs> I wash my okay. hands of it.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I, I still want some clarity on what we get out of. Like, let's go for it. If, if, yeah, I just don't. I, I this is my question I have with I guess anyone who really digs this novel is just what. Where does it get us? I, I feel I can say that with pretty much every Dick novel. Like there's something concrete that I can grasp onto that seems meaningful to me,
0: mm-hmm.
4: you know, whether it's political or, or psychological or, or just about human relations, there's something I can grab and say, yes, that's a great idea. And you know, I can take that with me. I, I don't feel that at all with Dallas or divine invasion, both of those. I've I think read-
2: the only thing I really get out of it and, in- and love about it is just that it's just such an honest portrayal of how you can be kind of having a psychosis or thinking crazy stuff and getting stuck in that. And yet also be very aware at the same time of what's happening. Like that's my favorite thing about the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You're stuck in them. I, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm
4: talking more about the the, 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 the whatever philosophy he's trying to get at, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, yeah. That I got you. I was like, yeah, him. I don't find I you. any philosophy I'm, to use. Whatever he was trying to do in the exegesis, I don't see what it gets us. Even if you can, like Terence, can point mm-hmm. to other philosophers that maybe have similar ideas, or there's some overlap, but those people
0: make sense. This is, I mean, fo- yeah. this is not I a this is not a philosophy. That's the problem. It's it, yeah. it, it, it's he's it's like pre philosophy almost. It, right?
1: it, it's a it's a personal cosmogony based on quasi half gnostic oh, beliefs, and I kept thinking of the role-playing game cult throughout the entire this especially when he started talking about the art the the black iron prisons like well that's well i I guess the role-playing game cult took it straight out of this i didn't realize that they had stolen that idea before because i'm guessing none of you have ever played no i've never
0: even heard of it and i'm it's
1: it's 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 basically a role-playing game that uh narcissism is real and yes and you have awoken to react that reality is this is this prison and cult with a k K with a colt, yeah, colt with a K, and that one, and you can get to the one of the real realities, which is this terrible, evil city controlled by these beings, and there's a black iron prison right in the center mm. of the city. And now I see where they got that from. I had no idea they they stole it from 5K Dick. Mm. So I I took that away from them. That, that's now. even
0: weirder. Thinking yeah. of a role playing game that's about trying to find reality. <laughs> Weird. It's like the, I'm re- reading the Wikipedia entry, disappearance of the demiurge. Yep. <laughs> in, 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 uh, any sort of role-playing game, you've got this module, right? And the, the the, uh, what are they called? Keeper or the dungeon master has access to the reality, right? And then the players are trying to explore the reality. <laughs> What's so funny is in a game like this, that there, there could be like, uh, okay, the players are in a black iron prison. <laughs> It has the dimensions of this, this, and this. The only escape. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward sffaudio.